Warning! The podcast you're about to hear is very filthy. We say naughty words you would use as an adult anyway. It'll cause you not to eat your vegetables, and your mom generally thinks it's a bad idea. Any moment of the show that has any similarity to the history of any person living or dead, real or fictional, to real events are entirely unintentional and coincidental. Unless we're specifically noted otherwise in the cast and crew credits, all celebrity voices are impersonated, no celebrity has endorsed any aspect of this show. Hey everyone, welcome out to another episode of The Good, The Bad, and The Geeky. Uh, I'm Nick Nitro. I'm John. I'm Nate. And, uh... Jamie. His house. <laughs> Rockin' it! Can't hear you, man. Rockin' it! There we go. There you go. Okay. We have a, uh... We have a really cool show planned tonight. Um... We do. We do. Um... It actually worked out this time. Almost didn't. Almost did not. Almost did not. We were close. We we yeah. It was very. It's very sad on why. Nail biter. <laughs> Nail biter. Um, you know what? If you have the GBGF, I'll, that'll be an extra on why. And we'll also have some extra facts that Nathan will re- start off here in a bit. But uh, for those listening normally, as every week, how was everyone's Thanksgiving? Was it a good Thanksgiving? It was a good Thanksgiving. All right. Was it good? Because that's good. Beat my record. Your record at what? How much food I could eat and not die. It's good. That is pretty good. That's very good. Job, Proud of you. I'm glad Four you're here. Four full plates and a full chocolate cream pie. Well done. It took two hours, so I mean, it wasn't like. <laughs> so if you were on like, was it Anthony Bordello's Steak House or Man vs. Food, you wouldn't win a time lapse. Probably not. But it's it's the commitment that matters. Mm-hmm. It is. That's a thing. That's right. It's, it is a big thing. I'm pretty excited. It's a big poop the next day. <laughs> I'm sorry, bowel movement. You gotta be a professional. You held that in for a whole day? <laughs> well. Well, we didn't eat till five. Oh, okay. I mean, I peed. Oh. <laughs> urinated. Sorry, urinated. 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 I'm a mate. I'm a Oh. What about you, John? Do you have a good one? Yeah, it was pretty good. Anything eventful happen? Not really. Yeah, it was just Thanksgiving. Yeah. Yeah. I have a rant about a customer, but... Nathan, what did... No, what's your rant? It'll probably take three minutes. Two and a half. Nathan, don't say it's going to take so many minutes, because it won't happen. Time it. Time it, John. Wait a minute, wait a minute. Let him get his timer out. Because last time we did this, you were way over. And I don't care if you go over three minutes, Nathan. I just want you to tell your story. Okay. Ready? All right. Three, two, one, go. All right. This gentleman called in for a... What? Oh. Gentleman called him for a delivery, and he wanted a medium cheese and a medium sausage, and he didn't want the pizzas cut. Now, for anyone who has been running a restaurant, especially one like a pizza restaurant where, where for ten pizza? years you cut pe- you cut pizzas, like it's a given. You take the pizza out of the yeah. oven and you cut it. I'm sure there's something that you do to a certain order all the freaking time at York. And we I understand. I understand that it was my... I ended up, I ended up cutting them wrong. I could not like cut them. I understand this. So I call him uh, and say, you know, uh, I won't say his name. Sir, I cut your pizzas. Would you like me to make you two more? Or would you, you know, just like these, it'll be fine. It's like, I know you said that you didn't want them cut. It is my fault, but I can make you two more. And he says... Um, he says, you know, why did you cut them? And I said, you know, it's just a habit. I've been doing this for so long. It's like, again, I do apologize. And then I asked, if you don't mind me asking, why didn't you want them cut in the first place? He's like, well, I like to pie cut them and you guys don't do that. And I said, no, I can pie I pie cut for people a lot. Uh, if that's what you want, you know, I can do that when these two come out. I'll make sure that I write, I write it on the ticket and we won't have a problem. He just kept being rude. And it just kept escalating and escalating. And then I said, sir, there's nothing I can do but making more pizzas. I said, it's, it, it can't taste any different. But this, I mean, you are the customer. This is something you want. If you want me to fix it, that's fine. We're not even busy. I'll make you two more pizzas. And he said, that's fine. So I get to make them. I, I almost start saucing and cheesing them. 
Yeah, it's pretty good. Another two minutes, isn't it? Yeah. Uh, <laughs> I get to sausage. I get. I get to rolling them, and he calls back. He's like, "This is ridiculous. I don't want them." My friend is almost here, and I said, "It'll, it'll take me 25, 30 minutes, absolute tops, to get these pizzas cooked, pie cut, and to you." Yeah. Like only thirty. It's only so such a time we can offer. Right. To get them there, unless you pick them up, and I don't want you to come pick them up because this isn't your fault. And he's like, "No, I don't want them." So I had two pizzas. I gave one to. I gave one away to my sister and one to a random customer that came in and picked up food. And basically, why I'm ranting is because if anybody works in the food business who has any stories like this that are this annoying, please write in. There is no story that if... Hold on, let me rephrase yeah, that. If we you think, ha- it, we you probably think it's heard. dumb, it's not dumb because we've heard it. We've all been there. We've, we've all, all worked for its fruit service. And my rant is done at 2 minutes and 48, 50 seconds. Well done. Good job, Nate. Nate, now, can we all point out that we really didn't care how long it took you to tell yeah, the story? I we just you want you to know that I can commit to a, something. <laughs> If I can't commit to a song that I said I'd have done two weeks ago, <laughs> I can't commit to a time. You can't commit to a seat it. that you said you wanted? I know. And you bit, that. oh, you bitched about it. What does John get to sit there? I Why can't I sit there? You said I could sit there last week. Oh, I'm sorry. Hey, I'll move sit there now. Oh, my friend. You've had your chance. Man. You. I did. It's over. It's over. All right. It's over. But, uh,. You see, I I figured right as we got into it, he would want to move back over. <laughs> While we were off doing that, people thought it would be really cool to die on us. So that was like Leslie Nielsen. He passed away. Yeah, the guy who directed eighty four. Em- yeah, eighty four. Uh, uh, Irvin Krishner passed away. He directed Empire. He was like eighty seven. So at this point, we're just waiting for person number three in the trio of things that could happen. Yeah. So, was there anything else we need to do before we do the normal stuff? Um, oh, we need to talk about what we did in the first half of the show. This is the first half of the show. Uh, second half of the show. Why would we talk about the second half when it hasn't you know happened what? yet? You know what? Big surprise. Jeez. <laughs> <laughs> okay, we, we know can't what? predict the future, Nate. What's going to happen? Bef- before we get to Nate's stuff, we have one email we actually missed that was not part of the second half of the show, and. Um, I'll read it right here because it was supposed to be last episode, and I, I completely max accidentally bypassed it. Hmm. Um, David, and it's not my dad, by the way. David mm-hmm. writes, "Hey guys, lately with only a few episodes left, I'm getting anxious. I anxious. I saw on Twitter feed you, you like terriers. You don't talk about it on the podcast though. Maybe you could talk about a bit more, or uh, you could talk a bit more about it. If you're not aware of what we're talking about, I paste the link. Please talk about terriers. Save the show. I already I saw the link because mm-hmm. I, I do talk about. I don't talk about it on the show, but." Ironically, we, it gets mentioned in the second half of the podcast, mm-hmm. but uh, I love the show. If you haven't seen it, Hulu it or whatever you can. It, it's, you do Twitter about it every now and then. It's know. like last episode left me nuts, man. Mm-hmm. Like I felt like I was watching Sopranos or The End of Lost. Like, it was just gut-wrenchingly yeah. good. Yeah. Because no matter what happens, even if the guy, Hank, the lead character, gets out of it, he lost no matter what. It's yeah. Anyway, it's mm-hmm. really good. You should check it out before – well, it probably is canceled, but I don't know. Anyway – Nathan, God yeah. love you. Even after you knew, okay, let's let's just say it now. We have Matt Nix on the show tonight. Matt Nix, he's the guy who created Burn Notice and the Good Guys for Fox. Burn Notice is for USA, sorry. And uh, I told Nathan, uh, you know, a few days ago, hey, for your f- words and fun facts, could you make it, you know, spy or cop related? And Nathan found a. How many you found? You found eight. I picked. I narrowed out eight from thirty. Eight from thirty. So I mean, he had a lot more. You narrowed him down that much. Yeah. And and Don't you laugh at me. <laughs> Eight from thirty. This is why I didn't. Get wow. To, I didn't get to finish the song because I. See, it's show prep. He was doing show prep. Well, we were all doing show prep to be fair. But Nathan, Nathan actually had a specific bit he had to prepare for. So we're very. I'll do two, and then you let me know if I should do more. Okay. 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 So. These are all apparently true stories of just incidences that cops have reported. One is a cop robbing a store caught on... Oh, sorry. A couple robbing a store caught on camera could not be identified until the police reviewed the security tape. The woman filled out an entry form from a free trip prior to robbing the store. <laughs> so basically, this couple goes yeah. in and robs a, yeah. robs a store, but I guess before they rob it, she tries to fill out... A, Free trip to I don't know like Europe or the Bahamas or something. Oh. So that's how they found out. Put your name and address they, and everything on it. <laughs> who they were because <laughs> the world's she dumbest criminal. Her name 
address and you know, phone number. <laughs> so I just thought that was really funny. Uh, where's the drunk security man? All right. So a drunk, a drunk security man asked a colleague at the Moscow Bank they were guarding to stab his bulletproof vest to see if, if it would protect him against a knife attack. Okay, everybody got that. Two drunk yeah. people. One is really retarded. And they work in security, so they, they know work, about knives and they stuff. They work security, yeah. and they want to see if a knife will go, you know, through the bulletproof vest. So let's. I kind of want to hear what people would think before I give the answer, but we really can't. Do no, that no. Right? Yeah, we can. Should I wait, or should I just give it away and then you edit it? No, I, 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 no, I, no. Let's. Me and John will talk about it here. Yeah. Our opinion. John and me will talk about Son it. Of a bitch. I think it would depend on where you got stabbed at. Yeah, like. You would figure that it would stop... Do you want to tell you where he gets stabbed? Yeah, sure. If you can provide that. Oh, I can't... I, oh, I actually can't. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, I can, but it would, it would give the answer away. Okay. In the side? He was stabbed in the chest. Like, full-on chest? Like... Near something... <laughs> near something that sounds like a metronome. Okay. A heart? <laughs> Good so he got good. stabbed in the heart. So apparently, right here, area. <laughs> not here, does but not here. Does not deflect right. here. Does not deflect knife wounds. Well, so what you're saying is you're but protected from gunshots, but not from a knife fight. If I, mean, I knew what type of what knife, if it, was it would fi- probably was it fired, make it harder. Was it fired from a gun? A knife? Yes. <laughs> it might have mattered. In it might it have mattered. It was not fired from a gun, oh, okay. according to a my, knife gun. the source, which I don't have. So, but, <laughs> so, <laughs> so, Nathan, what you're trying to get at is that what happened to the gentleman? Oh, I want me to tell you? The, the All right. The 25-year-old guard... Galard. Guard. Five year old guard died of a heart wound. <laughs> <laughs> That's not funny, but it it's is. Not. It's really, yeah. Hmm. We'll do the, I'll, just, I'll just do the world's worst drive, drivers because I thought that was really funny. Okay. Okay. I, to be one of the world's worst drivers, I mean, you really, I mean, you have to not know your, you have to not know your stuff, and you have to not know it really well. So it's actually a tie. The first one goes out to a 75-year-old man who, within a 20-minute time period, received 10 traffic tickets, drove on the wrong side of the road four (laughs) times, committed four hit-and-run offenses, and caused six accidents. Oh, that's funny. So, bravo to that man. That was October 15th, 1966. So, that was was 44 years ago. Wow. Hasn't really been one up. And the second... Which Let's I get don't on really, that, John. I don't really know how the second one... Let's get right on that. I don't really know how the second one adds up, but apparently this is also tied. A uh, 62-year-old woman... Notice how these are all people who have Buckeye cards. A 62-year-old woman who, who failed her... Uh, she failed her driver's test 40 times before finally passing it in August of 1970. And she finally how passed it... How many times did she fail it? 40. 40? 40 times. <laughs> wow. But, um, I guess the ironic thing is is that she couldn't afford a car because she had spent over $700 <laughs> in lessons just to pass her driver's test. Oh, that was in 1970. So it was in 1970, so you got to think that cars a lot were cheaper. a little cheaper. Yeah. So, That's funny. Man. I just thought that was really cool. Yeah, the first one I think is the worst of the two. Yeah. Because that would mean that that guy has his license. Yeah. yeah. He doesn't anymore. Yeah, apparently. He's uh, probably dead. Yeah. Because that was in 1966. That was in 1966. And he, would, he, he was uh, 75, so. He would yeah. be God. Although the oldest living person ever in recorded history was a male. And then the rest were women. We got 100, there's a 129 year old Asian guy. And then like the next 100 are women. There's like one guy. One man to live outside of the mall. That goes way off. Of, that one goes way off. Of Actually, it would be one man to outlive the mall. <sighs> and in the darkness. <laughs> Sleep. Do you want to do the traffic light one? Or you just want me to stop. Well, you and me will we'll do something for the for the uh, GBG application, which you can get on iTunes, and pretty soon you'll be able to get it for Android. So people like Nathan, they'll be able to download it. Yeah, because you have a Droid, you'll be able to download Droid. 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 Die, 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 die. Uh, do you have any, anything else? Uh, not like the fun facts, but like words or anything like that? I can get one. All right. <laughs> what do you want? Do you want a phobia word? Do you want a weird word? Do you want... Phobia. Let's go with phobia. Let's go with phobia. Then we can try to guess it. 
what it means. Yeah, that's always fun. Okay, what letter of the alphabet would you like to use? S for spy. There you go. S for spy. I do have a spy one, but it's it's long and it's not that funny. It's the only one I could find. Well, it doesn't have to be funny. I mean, this is more about knowledge and gaining because we're... Uh, I can't sell that. All right. <laughs> Samhainophobia. Samhainophobia? Sam, Samhainophobia. Wait. Samhainophobia. S-A-M-H-A-I-N-O-P-H-O-B-I-A. The fear... Samhainophobia. You will never guess it. The fear you of getting salmonella. <laughs> you know what? I like that try. Not remotely. <laughs> Has to do with beer. No, I don't know. Uh, I admit, I, yeah, I, I reached. Sam Hain. I don't even know what a Sam Hain is. Might be the some word. What in Sam Hain? Yeah, that's yeah, that's what I was thinking. It's the only thing I can come to mind. The word ween okay. is in the word that's the fear of ween. Something to ween or die. W e e n. The fear of nipples. No ween. <laughs> w e e n. Which, like, wean off and die? And that's spot on. Halloween? Yep. It is the fear, fear of Halloween. This is Halloween. Halloween. Which, by the way, the Maryland... I, I recommend the Marilyn Manson version of the opening from the Nightmare, Nightmare for Christmas. Christmas is absolutely amazing. And, good. Well, well, well done, Nathan. And if you'd like to hear that... While me and Nathan chat, you can do that by listening to so our well, Halloween just... episode. Yeah. Because I just don't care, Nathan. I don't care. Uh, What's that? I, yes, I, 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 I care as much as you sitting over there as me sitting over here about me and my dialogue. So I think we're pretty much even. All right. <laughs> you want to do another one? You want that to be it? That, that'll be it. That'll be okay. it. That'll be it. Do you want a weird word or British word? That'll do, pig. That's... <laughs> <laughs> that'll do, pig. Right, that'll do. Oh, <laughs> <laughs> uh, well. How how else should we just set this up before we set the before we do it? I just. What do you guys know? What do you mean? Well, <laughs> well, here. Okay, I I, I don't want to pull down the curtain, so to speak. But curtain. There's not a D in curtain. I don't want to pull down the curtain, but. I'm going to call you Jimmy. <laughs> There's nothing wrong with that. I'm fine Jimmy, with that. Jimmy, Jimmy. Jimmy's a good guy. Speaking <laughs> of good guy. Oh! oh! Hey-oh! Hey-oh! Good job, Nate. We don't, we don't, we don't mess around. Hey, uh, speaking of good guys, we, interv- we're, we interviewed, because uh, that's not a lie about we interviewed Matt Nix. Mm-hmm. Uh, really, you and I interviewed. Yeah, you and I did. Hey, I asked the question. <laughs> you asked the pivotal question at the end. It was. Like, oh my god, I've got to ask this or my dad will murder me. <laughs> no, he just wanted to know. I asked him no, I know. questions. No, I know. question. Sure he didn't really. I think, well, I think my dad cared at all. Your, your dad also did let you go because he, well, that's he what did, he told he me. He did come in and work for me. Right, and he in your 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 expl- explanation to me was you are being let go to do this because he likes burn notice. I'm sure it's also because, you know... You're his son. You're his son. I said that right. For some reason, I thought I said it like my dyslexic kicked in. Farger? What's a farger? 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 Father. Mama. 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 Babies. They're all babies. Yeah, so we talked with Matt Nix and... We were supposed to interview him by 9.30 when we were recording this, and uh, we had some technical difficulties. <laughs> well, first it, it was his fault, and then it was our fault. We don't know if it was his fault. No, it's mostly our fault. Yeah. Let, let's be honest here. It's mostly our fault. What happened... Well, yeah. Well, yeah. Well, what's sad is that I uh, didn't go to my class I usually go to. I, I went there early, and I started getting antsy because I realized, well, I want to get this on the stream too. And so they can hear us, because that's the problem. We did this with Bill and Mark before, Mark Guggenheim and Bill Lawrence. You can check those archi- uh, episodes out in the archives. Nice little plug there. Um, Way to plug, Nick. Thank you. I work really hard at that. And on the Ustream of those, though, it's just one side. You can just hear me, John, and Jimmy, or just me and John talking to Bill or Mark. You can't hear the other side if you're watching the Ustream. So... What's up, Nate? <sighs> What's up? I'm just refreshing my jewel. All right. I'm listening. I'm here. Good job. You know, you know what, Nathan? I'd like you to repeat me after Nick me. Are, me and Nick are here, too. Aw, you Nick. I am here. 
I hear you and I see you. There we go. That's what I like you to say from now on. Like, I hear you and I see you. And I hear what you're saying. But, uh, like, uh, we worked our asses off. We had all the sound fixed. And then there was a problem with the, with the Skype phone service, which ended up being my fault. <laughs> but uh, very sad. It's all good, though. It, it's all good. Matt was very kind. He actually spoke with us for about 50 minutes, which mm-hmm. it's going to be edited down a little bit, which you can check out the full interview on examiner.com. Yeah. And uh, let me see. Anything else before we go to break? Mm-hmm. We'll, we'll come back with Matt Nix, and we'll be right back right after this. We're back, and uh, we have a very special guest on our last episode before a big Christmas vacation. He's taken time to do this interview with us. We're very uh, thankful that he's here. Um, like the big, the big, good, the bad, the geeky. Welcome to uh, Burn Notice and Good Guys Creator. That's a mouthful. Matt Nix. Thank you very much, Matt. Yeah. Thanks for having me. You know, I would like to point out, Matt, that you are a prime example of that. Twitter actually works. <laughs> Oh, yeah. <laughs> yeah well, yes. we'll get around the bat. We'll start with uh, some burn notice stuff first, and then we'll hit up to the good guys, um, which is uh, the season's almost over. You got, what, two episodes left of this season for burn yes. notice? two episodes left. Yeah, which has been a fantastic season. I really mm-hmm. like the turn of Jesse, so excellent job there. And uh, I, I guess my question is, uh, in terms of Jesse – Will he be sticking around next year, you guys are thinking? Or is is it one of those, we'll wait and see how the finale plays out? Or um, The answer is yes, definitely in some form. Um, and we're, we're sort of discussing that now. Things sort of take a bit of a turn toward the end of the season. Um, you know, uh, so the specific role that he's playing um, mm-hmm. might be different, but... Um, and it might be the same. Um, it's sort of uh, that's up in the air. It's something we're exploring right now. Let me. I'm trying to think which question to ask first here, um, because we got a fan question that sort of tied into something you mentioned, and I heard about something today. We'll get to that in a second. But Sharon uh, Gless, who plays uh, Michael's mom, um, she was really big in getting Jesse and Michael to work out their stuff, which. I guess I really didn't. I didn't see it coming. Even though I, I would expect it was to be more Fiona. And, uh, I mean, she did an amazing job doing that. And then, of course, you know, she got nominated for an Emmy this last season uh, during the Emmys. And I remember, uh, you know, not – no, this is not meant to be a backhanded compliment, but 
well, she ended up growing into a great character. Michael's mom in the pilot didn't start off that great. Like, what was the genesis for his mom? And and what episode did you submit for her to get nominated for the Emmy? Because USA shows, besides Monk, don't usually get nominated for yeah. Emmys. You're absolutely right. I mean, I, I, this is not the sort of thing that show creators are supposed to admit. But I. <laughs> Your secret's freely, safe with us, yeah. <laughs> yeah, I will, I will freely admit it. Um, and I, I've admitted it before. Mm-hmm. I did not, like, Michael's mom in the pilot, I mean, I'll back up a little bit. Yeah, sure. As a writer in Hollywood, mm-hmm. like, I can't tell you how many things I have worked on that just don't go anywhere. Most oh, of the time, right. you pitch on something, you try to get a job, it doesn't happen. Mm-hmm. Like, then when you do get a job, it ends up in a drawer and you get a pat on the back and you, you know, you get a check or whatever, mm-hmm. but it just doesn't go anywhere. And so, you know, burn notice was really the first thing that I had made. I mean, I'd, I'd made things on my own. Um, but the, in a lot of ways I was kind of lucky. I didn't, I, I, I thought through some of the implications, but I'd never worked in television before. Right, so well, it was the first television script I ever wrote. So, I'm kind of like winging it. Oh, yeah. Um, Pardon me? No, I was just going to say, I was going to ask that as well, because if you, I mean, trying to do some research for the show, you go to Internet Movie Database or Wikipedia, it it only shows, you know, some short films you've done, and then it just shows Burn Notice and then Good Guys. And I guess, I mean... Well, I had had been working in features for a long time. Oh, really? But I've been writing movies that didn't get made. Gotcha. Um, okay. Or working in, or, or doing uncredited things on things that did get made, and none mm-hmm. of which I liked. So, the, so it's not that I'd never done anything. I'd, no, I'd no, I, I didn't mean it like that. Yeah. I'm sorry. I no, oh, no, I mean, no, 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 no. I'm your... not insulted by it at all. I mean, that's that's what you get when you go to IMDb. And in a way, I might, <laughs> I, I might as well have never done anything because there's a difference between doing something that gets made and doing something that is sort of pleasing development executives or Mm -hmm. seen as one step in a process. So when burn notice, like I wrote it and I didn't, I mean, what are the chances that your first television script you write get made? Like I didn't even, didn't even occur to me that they were going to make it. And so I had sort of kicked around this idea and, and the, and we, I worked so hard on the A story as it looked like it was going to get made. We're so hard on the on the, the the client story and on the burn notice story and everything. I will freely admit, the mother story was just sort of a nod in that direction. Oh yes, and he has a family, and 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 that will that is part of what we will be exploring on the series. Mm-hmm. She's got two two scenes in the pilot. They're pretty one note. Like she, like, you know, basically all I really gave her to do was like, Michael, where were you? I'm angry. Um, <laughs> and. And she does it, you know. She did a good job with it, but oh yeah, you know, Sharon forgot that she was in the show. I mean, like when they called her to <laughs> say, "Hey, your pilot's going." She said, "What pilot?" And they said, "Burn notice." And she was like, "Which?" Then the oh, the one in Miami. Oh, that really? <laughs> like going in a minute, you know? So it was, and then I realized once she got there, wow, I've got this powerhouse actress to work with, mm-hmm. and. You know, she came into my office in Miami, or actually was kind of between the pilot and that, and, and I realized, oh, I've I got to step up to the plate. I mean, I've got Sharon freaking Glass on the show. <laughs> I got to do something with her for real. Oh, yeah. And that that was when the idea, and you can see it in the first episode after the pilot, It there's a lot more focus on her. And oh, yeah. She, she, and then it was just a process of looking at what, what can Sharon do? Like, what is she good at? And writing it to Sharon's strengths, which, you know, fast forward to season three, um, the episode we submitted was the season three finale, um, where she's interacting with the FBI, uh, agent and, uh, Michael, uh, which I had actually directed, and oh, well. So yeah, she actually had like a lot of screen time. She had something to do, and it's been this evolution over the course of the show with her, in two ways. One, exploring ways that things that Michael got from Madeline, uh-huh. and two, 
now that Madeline really knows what Michael does and there aren't a lot of secrets from her, what does she do with that information? You know, how do we see her evolving and becoming more like Michael in some ways? Oh, that's interesting because, I mean, being that she is sort of involved now, it is a nice little, I mean, I've been paying attention to that, but that that's actually really interesting. I'm I'm waiting the development of that further because I I do enjoy when the mom and all the characters sort of team up together to do something, whether it may be like, again, I really enjoyed her coming in at the end and making Michael and Jesse sit down and say, Hey, work this out, grow up and get over it. I really well, like she, that. She's providing sort of the emotional perspective mm-hmm. to, for some of the, the spy stuff. Um, but I also, I'd say, you know, in the, in the finale episode, she has a moment where, uh, without giving any too much away, like of course. The, oh, that's okay. the, 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 she has a real moment where you see like, Oh, is that something that Sam or Fiona or Michael would have done straight up? Not, oh, wow. Not not what we've seen before, which is, oh, you know, she can, you know, go in and talk to somebody on behalf of the, no, like, straight up, dangerous situation. Oh, wow. She does something hardcore. And and not silly, like, appropriate for her character. Oh, but yeah. I think that, that's a moment. And you just, I watching it, people started applauding, like, the gaffers, you know, like, the, oh, the, yeah. the grips, like, watching it. In the finale, you see this moment where it's just, oh, she's her eyes are flashing, and and I I was like, oh, that would be Miss Cagney there. <laughs> like, yeah, wow. And yeah. mad props for getting you know Lacey on the show as well. That was that <laughs> yeah, was yes, exactly that was well well done. Um, to, to go back something that you mentioned earlier when you were talking about uh, Sam. I heard today, uh, which congratulations, because like we got an email from it from one of our fans um, to ask questions for you. He pretty much was asking about what was going on with the big movie that was going on that was announced during Comic Con for Sam. Oh, well, that's and, why I was late. I was on a notes call with the network for the script. Oh, very yeah, that's, cool. That's, that's where I was. Very cool. Kind of. What? Well, yeah. Which. That's that's really cool. I'm yeah because I deadline I think was it uh, Nikki Fink or her website yep. ran a article on it and it was I, I I saw it by pure accident I was just clicked on the wrong uh, bookmark and I was like oh hey very ironic I'm I'm talking to Matt tonight so <laughs> I'll bring it up um, has the script been written for long or were you going over like what the network uh, like when you pitch something like this to USA how what are the executives or or what how does the whole process work in terms of being that you're busy with burn notice and finishing on good guys? And how does that work? You, you really want to know? Yeah, uh, sure. So I, I, I love that stuff. So, you know, <laughs> like two years ago, oh, wow. um, I brought it up at, like basically between season one and season two, mm-hmm. beginning of season two. Um, but before we started shooting, we were talking about different mm-hmm. things we could do and, and, we're talking to Bruce and, and this idea to do this movie came up and people liked the idea, but didn't really know when it would happen. And then Bruce liked the idea. And so they kind of made a deal, but it was kind of, when, when was it going to happen? You know, mm-hmm. like we didn't know. And I said, Hey, you know, I can, um, I can come up with something to do. Right. And then, <laughs> um, it was just do like Sam's and, and it was like kind of off the top of my head. I was like, yeah, you know, let's just do this. Uh, we'll do like Sam's last job before he goes to Miami. Right. Right. And so they said, all right. And then end of that season, they said, well, like, what would you do? So, you know, when we were, uh, you know, remember being up on the roof of a hotel, watching a big car crash with one of the writers and, <laughs> Uh, I had this idea and kind of pitching him as, as cars are crashing and people are running around with machine guns. And, it's part of the um, show. My, my, co- my, my co-host Nathan is going, what happened? <laughs> <laughs> no, I mean, it's, it's the, uh, when, uh, it was, it was in, it was a, an episode in season yeah, they were two. Filming an episode. We're just like oh, on okay. set. And I, I sort of pitched it. <laughs> so then that was, you know, I didn't really think about it after that and it would look like maybe it wasn't going to happen. And then as is, as always happens in Hollywood, it was like, okay, uh, need something to announce at Comic-Con. And by the way, we've said we were going to do this, and we made this deal, so it's happening now. <laughs> uh, okay, great. 
so we make the announcement at Comic Con, and then is it going to happen? Is you know then okay, pitch, come in and pitch now. <laughs> and so I came in and pitched, and then I was actually like Fox TV Studios, which makes the show, has some relationships in Colombia. Mm-hmm. I had pitched. It basically made sense to shoot it in in Bogota, um, and so and you kind of backed into a particular time frame because of the rainy season and everything. Mm-hmm. So I was actually directing an episode of The Good Guys. And, you know, I'd done some work on the the outline. I was maybe a third of the way through um, in a cafe in Dallas on the weekend. And then on, you know, that Monday, I get a call from the studio, and they basically said, like, we really need the, the outline. Like, we really need it soon. Like, really soon. Oh, I wow. Said, when is soon? And they said, tomorrow. <laughs> and I'd read a third of it. Thanks for the heads up. And... I, I basically, I, you know, I, I knew what was going to happen, but I'd written like a third of it. So I actually had to write most of the outline on the set while I was directing an episode of The Good Guys. And after work, which if you're directing uh, episodic television means, you know, between midnight and three in the morning. Yeah. And then turn it in that night. And then uh, basically wrote the script uh, right after that. And so the script is, is you know, probably two weeks old man that's that's awesome because i know sometimes there is a quick turnaround uh, especially oh i mean you, you know this as well for, uh, for listeners who don't though showrunners uh, usually always have final pass on the script so even though it, it's a joint effort writing the script with the main writer credited on the script usually the showrunner has to go through and make sure everything is fine-tuned oh yeah absolutely. yeah you're yeah. juggling like 30 things at once yeah no there was a there was a period during running both shows where I realized I think at at any one time I had as many as 16 episodes in like active where I was either (laughs) writing, editing, producing, you know, in the middle of production, you know, because basically you got a, maybe a run of four coming up and then four in post. Mm -hmm. So you double that and it's like 16 episodes. I suddenly I had people coming up to me all the time saying, you know, in the seventh episode, we need to find out what, blah, blah, blah. And, okay, wait, seventh episode of what? Okay, great. <laughs> what yeah, it was very it, it, stressful. It, it was fun. It was a very, it was like, problems don't get much better than that, but, oh, um, yeah. but it was yeah. still a challenge. We spoke with, uh, with Bill Lawrence before, and he, it was right when it, it was announced that Scrubs Med School was coming out, but he was also working on Cougar Town. And I mean, he was, he, he talked about that too. And I mean, it's just really, it's really crazy how you guys, you know, you're pretty much working, you know, every hour of the day. <laughs> you know, actually though, I, I actually, I, Bill Lawrence spoke when I did the showrunner training program at the WGA. Oh, really? And I, uh, I actually talked to him later about, um, what I, he's in his, when he was talking, he basically said, you have to, as a showrunner, like, m- be responsible for. And I know this is a little touchy feely for for you know a <laughs> for this podcast, but I'll, no, just, I'll share it anyway. He basically said, um, you know, this is who I am, and part of being a showrunner is grappling with and acknowledging who you are and how you work, and. You know, so he said of himself, like, I'm always going to be late with scripts. And so I know as a showrunner, I'm speaking as Bill Lawrence, mm-hmm. have to make sure that nobody ever pays the price for my lateness. So my whole writing process, everything about my shows is built around. Um, oh. And so I so basically no one will ever suffer in in making an episode of Scrubs. Right. Um, because I haven't finished writing the script until late, you know? And mm-hmm. so, and he described his process for doing that. And he said, basically, I'm not John Wells and I'm never going to be John Wells. And I can only hurt the show by pretending that I'm John Wells. Um, and it was really, you know, so I'm not a guy like I'm not late with scripts, but it was really freeing. And I learned a lot from him hearing about how he kind of, um, how he how he does his shows and and also his his joy in burying himself in his work mm-hmm. um, is infectious. Like there's I I, uh, I I don't know Bill Lawrence well. I've spoken to him a few times, but mm-hmm. I 
I was I was definitely I got a lot out of of uh, of the, the few times I, I had met him. It always seems that showrunners. Uh, know every or they always know the other showrunners. Well, one thing about showrunners knowing other showrunners, I found is like yeah. I'll get together with. Uh, have you guys talked to Chris Fedak ever or Chuck? Oh, you know what? I now that you said that I caught something when I was reading up because I I'm a huge fan of, of Burn Notice and Chuck. Um, I'm really geeky individual, so I <laughs> I'm, I really cool. love Cheek uh, Chuck, not Cheek. I love Cheek. <laughs> That's the Spanish version of Chuck. <laughs> Um, well, you should. You guys should talk to Chris. I mean, he's. I, I know Josh Schwartz is. Is uh, you know, I mean, he's a huge part of that show. But oh, yeah, Josh but, is yeah. a very busy guy running a running the Josh Schwartz Empire. <laughs> Chris on a day to day basis yeah. is is really you know intimately involved. Like he he's he's kind of the day to day guy on that show. Mm-hmm. But um, I we share a manager, but I didn't know him well. Uh, but I, I like I hung out with him a few times, and, and we went out to lunch a little while back and we were talking about the fact that um, one of the things about showrunners hanging out with other showrunners is you, you have this set of complaints. Like you have these, you have these like things that bother you and, but you can't really complain to anybody. You know what I mean? There's nobody like, who are you going to talk to about this? Oh, you know, <laughs> I've got this problem or what? Because it's, it sounds lame. Like you can't, you know, you, you're not going to like take members of your staff aside and talk about other members. So basically <laughs> you end up hanging out with people. The only people who share your very idiosyncratic set of problems are other showrunners. So, um, so they end up sort of hungry for each other's company because like, you know, yes, I had to suck it up when that happened too. <laughs> oh, I, yes, I dealt with that as well. Oh yes. The writers were angry at me about that as, you know, I feel your pain. And so, <laughs> well, well, one of the questions that was actually sent to us and I saw during research because of that was uh, Chuck Bartowski's nickname is Charles uh, Carmichael. Oh, <laughs> and, uh, of course, there's Charles Finley, mm-hmm. uh, which is uh, Sam's alter ego or Chuck Finley. And I, they both came out at the same time. I mean, be, did you know Chris before that? And that was sort of like a... You know, it's funny. I did know Chris before that, but not as a um, – Chris and I were sort of like the baby clients of Michael Bondison. Mm-hmm. Um, like, I don't know that maybe he would quibble with that characterization, but like <laughs> – um, but I just – I remember meeting him years ago. At, I think I met him at – Michael Bondison is a producer on Burn Notice, but he's also our manager. And uh, he also manages Jamie Vanderbilt, who is writing the new Spider-Man movies. Um, oh, Wow. And uh, so Jamie, he, like, Mickle hosted Jamie's birthday party, and so I met Chris <laughs> there, like, probably 10 years ago. Oh, man. And so, and we just sort of, you know, remained in light touch since then. Mm-hmm. So, yeah, no, it was not, but I, we were joking when we had lunch that uh, that it was sort of the summit of the lightly comedic spy shows. Yeah. Um, so, and not a lot of those. I, I suppose we could have invited J.J. Abrams when he had undercovers. Yeah. <laughs> Which uh, you know, I, 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 although although I, I I very much doubt he would have come. <laughs> oh, yeah. But uh, probably busy blowing something up or something, <laughs> <laughs> or Craig another show with an island and probably out of yes, it. yeah. He's, he's got a lot on his plate. <laughs> we got we got to go back. We got to go, gotta back. go back. Sorry, lost. Yeah. yeah. So. <laughs> well, well, speaking of that, uh, this is John. You wanted to ask, it, so I'll let you ask it. Okay. <clears throat> I, to be honest with you, I, it's kind of like Lost for me. Nick was the one that got me turned up on Lost, and Nick's, Nick's the one that got me turned on to Burn Notice. Mm-hmm. I actually just started watching it not too long ago. And it's funny, I think I started watching Lost during the fourth season. Mm-hmm. Which and now Burn Notice, Burn Notice is in the fourth season, season, so I'm starting from the beginning. And I've made it through pretty much the whole first season. I'm, um, the end was, uh, what am I thinking of? Wait, sorry, so, say that again? What I wondered is, as you are writing the show, are writing the script, well, first of all, you're not a secret spy, are you? <laughs> no, I'm not. Okay, because, because, <laughs> because as the writer, when you are thinking of a process for Michael to diffuse this problem um, the way a spy would, do you have, like, a technical person on there, a secret spy that... You know, isn't allowed to be not a secret. I mean, we've got a um, there's a guy who's listed in the opening credits, um, oh. consulting producer Michael Wilson. Okay, um, okay. 
has a background in intelligence, and, oh, that's and pretty cool. so we do so, a lot of different things. So um, when when Michael is faced with a problem on the show, does he would that creative person come into it and say, "Okay, this is how I would do it," or do you ha- kind of have a creative license and kind of give your idea, and he'll say, "Yeah, that's kind of how we would do it," but you know, all those things. I mean, I think part of it would be. Sometimes he'll there occasionally will be in a discussion and he'll pitch something. We'll say, "Oh, that's awesome! We got to work that in somehow." Uh-huh. And then other times um, it'll be more like um, we'll say, "Oh, we want to do something like this," and here's our idea. And then he would say he would give us the technical way of doing that, usually improving on whatever we came up with. Um, sometimes it would be, "No, I wouldn't do it that way," or "That's a bad idea." <laughs> yeah. Um, you know, and, and, and that's how it works. I mean, it's it's kind of a back and forth process. Sometimes people, you know, you, what I've realized is you kind of have to, you kind of have to be interested in that stuff and have a general sense for how something might work. Mm-hmm. And then, so, you know, a typical thing would be, okay, we know in a general sort of way that, you, that it, it, it would be possible to triangulate the position of a radio signal of this type, right? Uh-huh. What would you use if you didn't have access to the high tech stuff? You know, like what what sorts of things would you need to? And he has a both an intelligence background and a technical background, so he could he would be able to say, well, actually that's pretty easy. You could cannibalize the receiver from this. Yeah. Um, you know, actually a great example was he helped with the the X ray in the. Oh, you're probably not there yet if you haven't watched. That's it. okay. That's okay. <laughs> I'll still watch car. it. Don't worry. <laughs> he does. A, he, there's an X ray in the in season two. It was a a, a much loved thing. The X ray in the trunk of a car. Okay. Um, oh yeah. Because I think what's cool. Device. I think what's cool um, is. Pardon me. Sorry, I, I didn't mean to interrupt you, but I think what's cool is. Because other shows, you know, they, they have some certain gadget or whatever, and they start using it like, well, what is that thing? Where this show, he'll say, well, with 200 bucks, you can go to the store and buy this and this and this and put this together, and then you got a, you know, transmitter. Not that I'm going to go do that, but it's it's pretty cool to, to they, feel they like... They show you how you, it's You make done. the viewer kind of feel like, hey, I could possibly be a sky if I... A sky, a spy right. if I needed to. <laughs> well, I actually, I mean, I think it's it's sort of relevant to the... To the geek ethos. Um, (laughs) That's exactly what I mean. (laughs) Which is, I mean, to me, and and you guys might, you guys are, you know, this is obviously a a, a central concern of yours. um, (laughs) But you might, you might characterize it differently. But I think for me, one of the most important things in, in fantasy entertainment, you know what I mean, is Mm -hmm. I... I'm a guy who is really attached to the idea that these these fantasy scenarios could be real. You know what mm-hmm. I mean? That there's a there's a reality to them that I can project myself into them, and it matters to me that um, yeah, I mean, like the actually one of the writers on the show is um, Lisa Joy. Uh, she's married to um, Jonathan Nolan, who um, okay. is the brother of Christopher Nolan. He oh, wow. wrote Memento and uh, yeah, Memento and um, and uh, The Dark Knight and, and, and yeah, yeah, he did Inception. Inception. Yeah, yeah. Uh, but you know, and I, I've talked to him about this. I think that you know one of the reasons that I you know others will disagree with me. I was never a fan of the the first set of Batman films. Um, mm-hmm. but I'm a huge fan of the, the most recent set of Batman films is yeah. that, um, is that geek aspect to it. I mean, this sense that like, okay, this, the Batmobile could exist in a way, like there's some sort of technical basis for that. Like yeah. it's, it's easier for me to suspend my disbelief. There's a, there's a real psychology to these villains. There's like, I get that Batman could exist in some, some slightly alternate universe. So it's not that it isn't a fantasy still. It is, but they're playing it for, for me, real. Yeah, you, you it, can see it where matters it's if it's from. grounded like that, yeah, and and that's part it, of what sure. the burn notice. That's part. Like I really care about how things work. It mm-hmm. matters to mm-hmm. me, and I want people to know, like, no, this could happen. Yes, aspects of this are <laughs> are made up, or 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 you know things happen more quickly than they would happen in real life, or you know there are certain narrative conveniences, but it matters to me that this is a this is a real thing. You know. So if there was a 
um, certain, certain spy that you not necessarily modeled, you know, this character after, but there are certain spies that are, you know, there's like an Austin Powers type spy, but there's James Bond type spy also. Are there certain characters that you like more than others? Or I, I'm really interested in technique. Mm-hmm. And so when I think about the, I've been, I've always been more interested in spy histories, you know, okay. like, so the, 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 the things that we're, that, that I'm using in writing the show are, um, mostly, mostly historical. Uh, you know, we did, we've done episodes that use chunks of the Aldrich Ames story, the, the mole in the CIA's, um, okay. counterintelligence division, okay. um, pieces of the Robert Hansen story we've used. Um, the, we've done all these different, um, you know, all these different things based on, uh, Mossad techniques. Um, mm-hmm. you know, the Mossad is actually, uh, you know, the Israeli, uh, intelligence forces, um, mm-hmm. They are both spies and operatives, and they um, they <laughs> they operate with a they're 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 more public in their <laughs> disclosures. <laughs> yeah, you get to read about a lot of their exploits, but also the, the Soviet Union. Um, oh yeah, the KGB. The KGB, like a lot of those histories have come out. So, you know, for me, it's not like James Bond. If you think about James Bond. He's actually not really a spy. Yeah, that's you know, true. like he's a he's an action dude. You know? <laughs> but like just on it on its face, like a, a, people who introduce themselves by not just saying their names but repeating their names, like <laughs> on James Bond, just in case, like James Bond. Right? Let me say um, it slow. That's not really a spy thing. Like that's. <laughs> That's a an action guy thing. That's a yeah. movie thing. There are lots oh, of great yeah. things about it. I I like James Bond, but in terms of technique, you know, what is James Bond's technique? Don't get hit by bullets. <laughs> um, have Checks. devices that happen to work in oh. in particular okay. situations. And yeah. I also think that one of the things that we do a lot on Burn Notice is think about the the tropes of spy fiction and then take them on head on. So for example, in the real world of spies, and this is something that I got from, from Michael Wilson. Mm -hmm. Um, and it was part of the thing that intrigued me about the series. Actually, there were two things, two things that I I got from Michael Wilson that really sparked my, my interest in, in this kind of gack, as we call it. (laughs) The one thing was, if you think about like a laser watch, okay. So you you get a laser watch like James Bond. Well, Think about a spy with a laser watch. What happens if he gets caught with a laser watch on? Well, they know exact. They know he's a spy. You yeah. know, they know that he's an operative of some kind. Then you can take apart the laser, and, and you can you can you can basically determine who he's working for by taking apart the laser watch and figuring oh, out who made geez. it, where yeah. the component from. It's like you've just totally betrayed yourself by. <laughs> <laughs> I, so, I never thought of it like that. Yeah, yeah. So in fact, if the real James Bond would be sent into a circumstance probably with nothing and yeah. told, go get your own weapons, right? right? Because if you need to deny that the spy was there, mm-hmm. you know, the best thing to do is if, if he, he, he hits the ground and he steals weapons there, he steals whatever equipment he needs, and then if he's caught, you can say, well, he's just a thief. Like, mm-hmm. he's just, I don't, I don't know that guy. You know, like we, we have we have no uh, connection to that person. Um, you know, he was using your weapons, you know, whatever. And so when we sent spies into Afghanistan, uh, the United States sent spies into Afghanistan in the uh, in the 1980s, uh, they were always sent with the Soviet made weapons mm-hmm. wow. um, to, to mask where they came from or they were sent in and told to steal things. Um, the other thing is, uh, another thing I got from Michael Wilson was just all those advanced electronics. You're usually being sent into places where it's hard to find batteries and it's dirty. And he actually named a brand name that I won't name, but he was like, I love those products, but they can't stand sand. Like they never, they never survive more than an hour when you're in country. And so that was another thing. And then the the other thing he was, we were talking about halo dives and we were talking about, uh, okay, so you're doing a halo dive and you've Uh got to go to REI, you know, or it's equivalent and pick up some, you know, cold 
you know, jacket, the jackets and, and equipment, because you're going to be in the, in the freezing cold of a, of a, you know, at very high altitude, mm-hmm. then you're going to jump out and you're probably jumping into a hot place. And he said, one of the things that, that people go through is you've just gone shopping and you went to REI and you picked up all this nifty <laughs> stuff and you really liked that fleece jacket. And then you did this halo dive and you dove into a jungle and now you've got to just leave it. Yeah. And, and, and he basically said like, you know, spies are human beings. You know what I mean? Like they fall in love with fleece jackets, just like anybody does. Yeah. And it's painful to leave behind all this awesome gear that you yeah. just picked up, yeah. but you can't be tramping through the jungle with this nifty fleece jacket that you just bought at a, at a, at an outdoors store. And, you know, like everybody else, and with the economy going bad, yeah. they also have a budget they need to keep up. So uh-huh. half their money uh-huh. went on this fleece jacket that, oh, my God, I have to leave behind. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. So. And actually, the, and, uh, the way I, I ended up, you know, getting uh, – the way, the way I met Michael Wilson was he was um, – you know, he saw a, a short film that I made. And I realized, like, who watches short films on the Internet? <laughs> Spies. Why? Because <laughs> they're short. Because well, they're, well, it's actually like they're just sort of trolling around for stuff on the internet because you can't really go down to the bar and make friends yeah, at, at your hotel in Bahrain or yeah, wherever you are. Someone might be in it, uh, someone trying to infiltrate you or you you know turn you or et cetera. Yeah, so that uh, part of what really got me interested in the show was just this idea that it's kind of a lonely existence where you're you're. You, you can only make friends in this really, really idiosyncratic way. And you um, spend a lot of time by yourself and you have to abandon a lot of, you know, like cut ties with people and things. And uh, it's a tough gig. And it's not a gig that people choose if they have really strong family ties and um, yeah. a really easy life. Which, which Bernard sort of goes into a little bit, which is, you know, can you leave that all behind while trying to, you know, find out who burned you, et cetera, um, which, of course, the show's played out wonderfully. Mm-hmm. I, I love it. And I just realized we've really talked a lot about Burn Notice, and I feel really bad because I'm also a huge fan of the good guys. And I hope you don't mind if we just ask, like, two more, three oh, or no more questions. Um, the good guys... Uh, when Fox took this on, I was a little surprised because they were going to try to do what USA was doing, which was have a summer show and have it go on. And I know the ratings, for Fox at least, wasn't as good as they initially thought it would be. But instead of sticking with it, they decided, well, okay, well, I mean, which is also sort of, you know, cool. They wanted to put it into the main arena. Or, you know, was it Monday or – no, it started on Monday or Tuesday and they moved it to Friday. And uh, I guess my question is ultimately – do you have any regrets with the Fox executives? Um, not not in a negative way, but in terms of how would you approach something differently? And is there any hope for the good guys on USA where characters are welcome? <laughs> <laughs> well, I think you know the studio is going to explore the, that possibility. I wouldn't hold my breath, but it's not it's not inconceivable. The um, I mean, I think that the, the the people at Fox were very supportive, mm-hmm. um, but I also think that the Cable has certain structural advantages when mm-hmm. it comes to um, making a summer show, right. and you know, and it's like one simple example would be an episode of Burn Notice on USA mm-hmm. always airs three times at least in the first week that it airs, right? Yeah. So it airs once at ten, once at one. Mm-hmm. Um, once on Sunday, you know what I mean? So like if you're sort of trying to catch the show, you're, you're vaguely interested in catching the show, you have more opportunities to see it. Um, and the, the ratings expectations of course are lower. Um, but even it's, Cable doesn't really – there's not a big pressure to to cancel or, you know, they're always going to show a full season. And we did get a full season of The Good Guys. But then the other thing is they're, they're kind of airing at a time when they're not up against really significant competition. Mm-hmm. And then I think the last thing is just that people have been educated for many years. And I think television executives sometimes 
discount this, but I, for my money, I think it's it's true, and I'd you know I I've said it to them. Mm-hmm. Um, but I think that if if a if a cable television viewer t- tunes into a television program um, and likes it, they feel and rightfully so that that's that show is going to be around for at least a season, right? So to take right. a great new show from this season that has also had you know ratings challenges, Terriers, right? Yes, love that show. Terriers comes on, like its ratings are not good, yeah. right? However, if you tuned into Terriers and you really enjoyed it in episode two, you can go back and watch episode one, and you can know that even if it's not coming back for a second season, you will get to see a full season and probably it will come to a satisfying conclusion in the 13th episode because they probably already know that it's not coming back, right? Right. Mm-hmm. right. But do you have that expectation if you tune into a ratings-challenged network show? No. Usually no, yeah. Yeah. So, like, if you were a Lone Star fan, oh, well, Lone Star was gone mighty quick, right? Yeah. And so I think that, that p- people have just been educated that television shows on network on networks in the summer – are burn-offs. They just are. Mm-hmm. There were some reviews of the good guys that came out that were like announcing that the show must be a summer burn-off. Um, and, you know, they just hadn't bothered to ask. And so they're just sort of announcing like, oh, this is a summer burn-off rather than a oh, show geez. that was you know, sort of like, guys, you know, like we've made one episode. Like, <laughs> this, this is why would, it's premiering in the summer. Why, why would they do that? Um, that's horrible. But, you know, that's that's what people think. And so it's a little bit – I think it's networks if, – if the broadcast networks want to do summer programming, and they definitely do. I mean, Kevin Riley at, uh, at Fox has, has, has said, said as much on many occasions, but he's also frankly acknowledged, like, it's a tough thing for networks to do, and it's mm-hmm. going to take some time to educate, um, you know, America that you can tune into a summer show – and it will be worth watching, and you don't have to worry that it's going to be off the air, you know, two episodes later. Right. Uh, and I guess in that regard, since you sort of mentioned it, with network shows, they, as you are saying, there usually is not a guarantee of closure with the good guys. Is there a bit of closure for the good guys, for Jack and – uh, Awesome. Yeah. Fantastic. Yeah, I mean, actually, it's sort of – in a funny kind of way, we weren't actually sh- – I shouldn't say this, but I'll say it – the uh, <laughs> we sort of ended up with two finales, like the, the second oh, wow. to last episode and the last episode both function as finales, um, and in and are satisfying in different ways. It's not like, but yeah, definitely like I'll I've not you're you're the first to hear this, but there is a speech at the end of the last episode of the Good Guys, which I was very proud we were able to put on television, and um, uh, it's. And it sort of expresses uh, our feelings about the show, those of us who made it. And I got to say, that show was so much fun to make. I got letters from guest stars saying they'd never had more fun working on a show. I mean, uh, it you can, really... it comes through, by the way. I mean, especially with Bradley Whitford. I mean, he sells it to such a level. I'll try to wrap this up real quick. I'll ask two more questions. Yeah, uh, the first one is with Burn Notice, because we had a few people um, who are live-tweeting us that wanted us to ask this, and I felt mm-hmm. I just now get, I forgot about it. And that is, like, with good guys, does Burn Notice have a, an end game? Or, or like, you have, like, at least kind of, like, lost the last scene running off, but you're still running your way there? Or... Yeah, yeah, absolutely, yeah. 100%. Fantastic. And yeah, then, I mean, uh, it's, a, it's not a... I mean, one thing that that I like people are sometimes one thing I think that for people that are watching burn notice, like if, if you're paying attention, sometimes people will like we've heard reviewers and things say things like about, you know, Michael's still looking for the person that burned him. And I always want to say, no, dude, like Michael found the person that burned him in season one. Yeah. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. And by the way, there wasn't just one person, you know, it wasn't like, you know, so it's a, it's an ongoing process. Oh yeah, and it's uh, and there's a lot to explore. So, um, so yeah, but but do we have a sense for where it's going? 100. percent And and now that we know that we're renewed for through season six at least, uh, nice. it's you know it's easier to to know that we can just you know uh, oh, yeah. chart a path. Yeah, 
and the last question here for you, Matt, and then we'll then we'll let you go, um, which is going back to the good guys and the rare chance that a, a campaign, a, a save the show campaign. Is there anything we can do to help sway the tie with USA, or who or do we send letters to Fox so they can allow it to be aired on USA? Who do we get in? Well, Does it involve mustaches? If, there, if there's a yeah, everybody growing mustaches would certainly help. But um, <laughs> I'd say uh, if the, the the real thing would be, um, you know, if there's a real opportunity for that, then I'll definitely be on Twitter letting everybody know that that, definitely. that there's something to something to be done there. Very cool. Well, Matt, uh, thank you very much. Uh, you actually spoke a lot longer than initially planned in, uh, for you, and I, I apologize for that. At the same time, no though, I want to thank you very much and yes, thank, thank your family you. for being patient. Oh, what, Nathan, what do you want to say? I just want to ask a quick question. It's about my, my dad. I don't watch Burn Notice, but I love the good <laughs> oh my God, Nathan. Oh, I'll be honest. I'll be honest. I'm not we need to mute his mic. Yeah, we need to mute yeah. his mic. Just real quick, my dad just wants to know if Michael and Fiona will ever marry. Wherever we get married. <laughs> Michael and Fiona will ever get married. Um, uh, I think that uh, I, I don't think they're really wired for that. <laughs> okay. Okay. That's it. All right. All right. Matt, I appreciate thank it. Thank you. you so much. Not a problem, man. You have a good day. Thank you. Okay. You too. Bye bye. Everyone, thanks a lot for watching. If you followed us on Ustream all night, thank you very much. Again, thanks to Greg and Matt for uh, getting together and coordinating the show with us. And, uh, Thank you, everyone, for sending me their questions. Uh, we're going to be gone for the Christmas episode, we'll be, we'll, which will be posted the week of Christmas. We're going to be working up until they get it ready. And beyond that, we're taking a break. This is our mini vacation, mm-hmm. yeah. and we're not coming back, I think, until, like, what, the middle of January, third week in January? Like that, yeah. So, wow. yeah, we're taking a break. There will be a best of episode hosted by Nathan, which is uh, – he's, he's done some of it. It's really good. And uh, we'll see you around Christmas. Um don't hear anything, follow us on Twitter, Facebook, goodbaggeeky at gmail.com, voicemail 614-364-4088. Am I missing anything else? Oh, where else can you do on the website, John? Our website, gbgpodcast.com. Click on the contact us link. Oh, yeah. It would have been right if I didn't say it. You can buy an app. Or, yes, oh, yeah, buy your app. Which we maybe should say, we should say check out Burn Notice and check out Good Guys. Yes, for the time being, till Good Guys. Fox. Uh, it, matter of fact, this Friday is is when it airs. I think nine or ten o'clock, and then Burn Notice is every Thursday. But it, as Matt says, it airs like three times during the weekend. So, all right, thanks for listening, everyone. Uh, we'll see you around Christmas. Bye. Get out of here without cheese! You're a creep. Go away. We're having a good time until you start up, cheapers. Go have some coffee with cream or something, because I'll tell you something. This is a happy place. What the fuck am I supposed to say? (laughs) What song is that?